Live from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the pod's moving and storage studio, it's The Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work they love, and create amazing relationships. I'm Ramsey personality George Campbell, joined this hour by the Dr. John Deloney. And we're here to help you take that right next step with your life, with your money, with your mental health, with your relationships, with the boundaries, with your mother-in-law, all of it right here on The Ramsey Show. Let's do this thing. Uh, The number to call is 888-825-5225. Michael joins us in Orlando, Florida to kick off this hour. Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. What's going on? Yeah, so basically the question is, uh, should I move in back with my parents to go to school in a nutshell? Okay, what's the situation here? Are you doing it to save Um, money for location? All of it? Uh, yeah, uh, definitely to save money. Um, location, not really, because it would be, it's basically a boot camp, UX, UI design, um, three months if it was full time. The other option would be for me to continue working what I'm doing, which is a gig economy, uh, Uber, um, living out of Airbnbs with my girlfriend who works remote, and doing the boot camp part time, which would take uh, twice the time. But obviously, I wouldn't have the emotional toll of, uh, you know, parents. Yeah, that was my question. What's living with your parents like? Um, so actually it's better than actually living with my parents. Uh, I'll be blessed enough. It's not as bad as I think. So I'll be living with my girlfriend, um, in, uh, Puerto Rico and, uh, their, their grandparents have a house, which is pretty available. They ask us to live there. Um, we did it before. Um, but there's the issue of my mom who's been very, very brutally abusive for most of my life, which is why I've been in Florida and not in Puerto Rico. Okay, I missed that a little bit. So you're thinking about either going to Puerto Rico to live with your girlfriend's grandparents' house or going to Puerto Rico to live with your mom? No, to live uh, with my girlfriend's uh, grandparents because uh, they passed away and they gave the house to her. So where do your parents come into play? Um, well, really having to have their, their funding as well as I would have to work for my dad after the boot camp every day. Um and, um, yeah, I'm just having to face them on, on a daily basis or almost daily basis. Okay, but let's back that thing up. So you started the call by asking, should you live with your parents to go to college? Now you're saying, well, should I live with the, my... That's what the lady told me to say to you as a question because the uh, okay. question was a bit more loaded, yeah. Well, yeah, the whole thing sounds like a mess. Um, <laughs> is this full-time, this school? Uh, yeah, it's full, it's full time if, if it's if I let my dad fund it uh, forty hours a week. Yes, and it's in person. No, it's online, completely remote. So you can live anywhere. Uh, technically, yes, but if my, my dad is funding it, um, I haven't asked him, but I would assume he would want me. To what be would here, it take for you to cash flow this and do this on your terms? Because it sounds like right now there's a lot of handcuffs and red tape and strings attached. Right. Um, for me to do it on my terms, it would have to do part time, so twenty hours a week boot camp. I don't uh, believe you. I don't believe you. Here's why. Well, I did two PhDs what? and a master's degree working on a full-time job. Probably my in my full-time job was probably 55 hours a week, maybe 60. No, yeah, yeah. The, the, I didn't get there. I was saying that the boot camp is part-time, but I'll be working a full-time job. What, do you, what job are you going to be doing? Um, I'm waiting to uh, get the results for Amazon delivery driver position, but okay. I also just finished an interview for a remote job as a customer success specialist. I'm waiting to, for round two. There's two more rounds uh, waiting. So I have those two things lined up, kind of. So there's either a full-time option or a part-time program, and the part-time is going to take six months, and the full-time is going to take three months? Uh, correct. Do the part-time. About. 
do the part time, and grow up. Listen, the chaos and complexity that you're going to run into, whether it's living in your girlfriend's grandparents' house and he gave it to her, but she that mess, or going home to verbally abusive parents that you're going to have to work to, and I'm going to have to depend on them. Like, dude, don't. I don't know why you enter into any of that chaos when for six months you're going to have the same thing and you're going to have six months of full-time work experience as well to go on top of this credential that you're going to get. Correct. Yeah. So I do, well, I, three know, months, man, 90 days. Look at that. it as if there's no other option other than Michael's got to figure this out for himself. He's got to figure out how he's going to survive, live, work, go to school. And if you do it that way, you're going to get real creative real fast. Right. And that's what I've been doing for now. But I just, I think I've let the voices of my parents get infiltrate and I feel that I'm starting to doubt, which is why I'm in this call right now. No. I, yeah. They do. They've been, how old are you? I'm 27. They've been, they have been running your life for long enough. Yeah. And they've been dragging you around their life long enough. Fair? Right. 100% fair. Let's cut, let's cut the cord, man. Let's cut the cord. Yeah, let's do it. It might mean it takes you twice as long to get through school. It might mean you work twice as much as you wanted to. But it also means you get to do this your way. Right. Exactly. And grow up. And that gives me great peace. Yeah. Here's For everybody listening, if you were telling me, hey, I'm going to... Texas A&M University and my mom and dad have a fourth room in their house at College Station and I can help with my younger brother who's got special needs and I'm also going to work part-time and should I go home? Absolutely. You got a great relationship with mom and dad? Take it for sure. This is a situation where I don't believe that you'll finish in three months living in this toxic, nonsensical mess. I don't think you'll get done. Okay. I think you will be about four inches taller and you'll be able to bench press, not as much as George, but you'll be able to bench press a little bit more, and you will uh, be able to walk into an interview with a credential, six months of full-time work experience, and a, a, a straight back. You see what I'm saying? Right. And, and no uh, resentment or any sort of None. Like, None. Emotional toll, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's the move I'd make, man. Yeah, thanks for the call. Man, there's so much there, John, underneath the, the surface of the – question which is hey i could save money right. i can have school funded but there's so much happening underneath that surface that worries me and so many people awesome. out there back themselves into a corner where they go well it's either this or this and they're both toxic situations but this is my life instead of going there's option c and it's that, almost that on never me. either or almost never sometimes it actually is and it's scary and like when you get medical diagnostics and stuff there's there's either ors right but man, when it comes to I'm 27 years old and I want to get a credential, I got to do this or this. No, you don't. No, you, no, you don't. You could work full time for one year and pay cash. There's, there's a million different options here, right? Um, and if he gets a job as an Amazon delivery driver and he loves it, maybe he didn't even go to this program. But whatever. All I have to say is, dude, when you feel yourself either or backed into a corner, it's always good to call and get some wisdom. Mm. And especially when you're, if you're 27 and single, now's the time you're going to look back and go, remember when I was working 50, 60 hours a week while in school? That was crazy. Because there's going to be a time when you got kids and you have other responsibilities and you're landlocked. It's going to be harder to do these things. Yeah. And let's, he mentioned something. I think it's important. Every extra variable creates more chaos. So, hey, I want to move from my home in Puerto, in Florida to Puerto Rico live in my girlfriend's grandparents' house. 
That's three extra variables, dude, that you don't need, Absolutely. right? Don't don't create chaos in an already complex situation. Go for the easiest path, even if it's not the most comfortable. Michael, hang on the line. I want to send you our pal Ken Coleman's book, From Paycheck to Purpose, to help walk you through this entire process and give you some hope. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable, Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs, and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org budget. That's chministries.org budget. Welcome back to The Ramsey Show. I'm Ramsey personality George Camel, joined by Dr. John Deloney this hour. And we're taking your calls about money, mental health, relationships, you name it, at 888-825-5225. Hey, can I just say that was fantastic. I had my, uh, Thank you. I had my volume turned down. So I didn't hear the music coming in, and all of a sudden I heard you just talking, and I thought, wow, my friend George like is losing it. What it's like to be a professional. It. He's losing it. And then I realized, oh, no, he's a professional. No, we're just live on the air on radio, podcast, YouTube, you name it, John. Get with the times. Evidently, you have to turn the volume up. All right. So, John, I have a, I have a bone to pick with you, and it involves an article that I received, and I want to get your take on it, because Rachel Cruz and I have covered this issue on Smart Money Happy Hour, and it went gangbusters. And it's all, right. all about... But a bone to pick with me is like, I did something. Have well, I done I, something? Because I feel like you're going you're gonna to try to be a hero on this one. So <laughs> that's my thinking. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we did an episode called Guilt Tipping, How to Deal with an Absurd Tipping <sighs> Culture, and it was the tip of the iceberg. Because now, John, according to Wall Street Journal, tipping has come for self-serve checkout. <laughs> so you and the machine, and the machine says, money please... This is wild. So prompts to leave 20% of self-checkout machines at airports, stadiums, cookie shops, cafes across the country are rankling consumers already inundated by the proliferation of tip screens. How many $10 words could this author fit in here? It is the Wall Street Journal. And here's the crazy part. Business owners say the the automated queues can significantly increase gratuities and boost staff pay. You know what else could boost staff pay? Paying them more. Not cheap uh, bosses and leaders. Ta-da! Oh, man. And here's a quote from uh, a senior at American University in D.C. They're cutting labor costs by doing self-checkout. So what's the point of asking for a tip and where is it going? And tipping researchers, I didn't know that was a job, uh, and labor advocates say so-called tip creep is a way for employers to put the onus for the employee to pay on to consumers rather than raising wages themselves. Companies say tips are an optional thanks for a job well done. This is exhausting. Yeah, um... So as you were talking, I, 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 man, I went from hemorrhoids to I think I've got like some kind of lung disorder. Oh no! Yeah, I'm, my body's Black falling lung? apart as I listen to this. Dysentery. Um, here, it, 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 there's two parts to this, George. One is I love I love what it says here. It says that the businesses are taking advantage of an opportunity. They are. That's their job. That's what businesses do. They take advantage of opportunities, right? They see a, a glitch in the matrix and they're like, hey, let's make some money. Fine. I think it is unethical to put the onus of paying your employees on the 
in addition to the 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 product or service that somebody's just purchased to put that on the the purchaser that's insane be a grown-up and pay your employees what they're worth. If you think they've done a job well done, pay them for it. Don't be like, well, I don't know, man. The second thing is, is I don't lose a second of sleep over this crap because I, they can do whatever they want. It's on me. And we have a culture that is so sad when somebody makes them feel a certain way, they're making me feel sad at the kiosk. Well, then that's on you, dude. If the kiosk that you have gone and got your own water and put it on a self-checkout and it asks you for a tip and that makes you sad, that's not the business's fault. That's your fault. You need to go to counseling and get friends. And also, don't tweet about it. Just don't do it. And if you stop doing it, it will go away. We have a culture that's so but insane. But if you don't tweet about it, did it even happen? I don't see. That's just bad philosophy, right? But I, 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 I'm but just not going to lose a second of sleep. You're going to love this description. A 26-year-old who works in PR in New York City said the prompt in general is a bit of emotional blackmail. Oh my gosh! Now that I feels for sure, over the top. I, this section, this 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 segment is brought to you by Preparation H because I have atomic hemorrhoids now. It is not emotional blackmail. It's a business trying to get more money from you. All you have to do, uh, 26-year-old who works in public relations in New York City, is be an adult. Hey, jumping in, John. Do you, how do you feel about with people when a person tip, turns the screen around and then they ask for a tip? Does that feel more emotional? It, it, it does. It's awkward. It's awkward. It doesn't make me feel like emotional blackmail. It just feels awkward because I'm not giving you 38% tip, right? Now, if it's like my barber or something, that's fine. But I, yes, if I have to look at some 17-year-old and have this exchange like, I'm sorry that your boss doesn't pay you very well and they're trying to guilt me into giving you more or just to make automate me giving you more, fine. But I don't feel guilty about it. It's not emotional blackmail. Is it awkward? Yeah, it can be awkward. But I'm going to do what I think is right in the situation and move on. By the way, one of the biggest disagreements my wife and I have is I over tip. So I'm always over tipping. What this is doing for me is it's making me reconsider. Going the other way. Correct. Well, I don't think that forced gratuity is any kind of generosity. It's not gratuity. It's not generosity. It's not gratuity. It's a cost, right? So either raise the cost of your chicken sandwich by 25 cents or uh, and pay your employees what they're actually worth or um, move on. I, I, yeah. Well, I, I, I have no shame. I go to the custom tip amount and I do 0.00 enter while making direct eye contact. It's a flex, John. It's a flex. <laughs> it is kind of I a, can't stand. They turn around and they go, I was just going to ask you a few questions. I, <laughs> like you don't know what the questions are. Exactly. You know, good and well. James, does that make you feel sad and uncomfortable? James is always no, sad I'm, and uncomfortable. I'm glad you brought up the question thing because it is, they act like, like they don't know what questions it's going to well, ask. Well, it's awkward for yeah, them too. We don't know. <laughs> right. Exactly. All it's right. like um, calling your wife and saying, hey, I'm going to be four hours late getting home for our date. And she'll be like, I'll have a few questions for you when you get home. And you're driving like, I wonder what they are. You know what they are. You know what they are. Oh, well, thank you for that. That's exactly how I thought it would go, John. Poorly. Thank you. That was fun. So why did you think I was trying to be a hero? About because it? last time we did this, you're like, I always overtip. Which, again, you use that line. I do, but I don't do it on demand. I do it because I want to be a person of uh, like generosity. When, when it becomes a demand or when it becomes like a... It loses the joy of giving. Yeah, dude. That's good. becomes a payment. And I'm not going to buy a $40 chicken sandwich. We're not falling for it. We're hitting zero. All right. Let's get to the calls. William is in Orlando. William, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How you doing? What's going on? 
Doing great. Um, I just had a question. Uh, I I wanted to know: Is it smarter for me to just pay off? Well, me and my wife to pay off our student loan debt on our own, or um, I am a school teacher and I, I do have um, or well, I did hear about the public service forgiveness um, as a teacher, and I just kind of wanted your expertise on that. How much do you owe? Uh, I owe thirty one, and my wife only owns five. Owes five. Like how much money do you guys have in the bank? Uh, saved at the moment, probably around ten grand. And as a teacher, I make around thirty, thirty-five. Okay, so how long would it take for you guys to take nine grand out of your savings and then use future income to pay this thing off? How many years? Two uh, max. I personally, believe, I, I personally believe it can happen in two. Yeah, less than two. What's this public student loan forgiveness program going to take? Ten? Uh, possibly. Yeah, it's. I need to be a teacher for 10 years for half of it to get wiped out. Oh, my gosh. So you're going to wait a decade to hope that half gets wiped out, or we can guarantee our own destiny and go, this thing's gone in less than two years, and we never look back. And I can choose to work where I want to work. I can choose my own destiny without having to worry about this thing dangling, these golden handcuffs. How old are you, William? 28, sir. 28. So think about 10 years ago. That was pre-Biden and pre-Trump. You couldn't smoke, drink, or vote. Remember how great the world was back then? <laughs> In 10 years, you know what the world's going to look like? No idea. Yes, sir. I'd pay these loans off. And by the way, I, I, I've been a teacher. Um, my wife's been a teacher. I know that it's hard when you look at those that when you get done paying into your union dues and you get done paying into your legal stuff and you get done paying into your, your teacher retirement, what's left is is sometimes paltry it can be scary i get that i know that i've lived that okay and you put your name on a contract that you told somebody hey if you if you help me get through school i'll pay you back and so for me this is just me there's an integrity thing did i know what i was signing when i was 18 no did i run up six figures yes and i did sign my name on a piece of paper said i'll pay you back and that that's 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 the way i've my wife and i chose to deal with it and on top of that go just look at the data on this thing People who applied and people who got it. It was a half percent. Now it's at like a whopping 1% because they made it so much better. Those odds are terrible. Yeah, it's paid so off. I'm taking control, man. If you want more on this, go watch our documentary, Borrowed Future, where we talk about this issue. We talk about what to do and how we can overcome this crisis. But you'll be there, man, in no time. I had 36 grand. I paid it off in less than two years, and you can do the same. Rooting for you. This is The Ramsey Show, and if you haven't heard, we're doing something around here that we have never done before. Right now, all of The Ramsey personalities are leading Financial Peace University, including me. And I want you to join my virtual class. No. You can do it from anywhere across the country. Join my class. It's not a competition, John. I'm going to win. It's 1,000% a competition, America, and Jade and Rachel are killing us. That's true. That's why it's not a competition, because they're they're smoking us. There's nothing we can do about it. I, I disagree. I'll never say never. We're pre-Fontaine. Pick one of our classes. So John is leading a Financial Peace University class. His starts earlier than mine. Mine starts June 20th. You know when yours starts? That's kind of a flex. It's the latest one. Mine starts in a few weeks. Okay. Is yours in the evening or during the lunch mine hour? Mine is during lunch hour. Mine is too. Great. They'll so have to if choose. you want financial freedom and peace sooner rather than later, join my class. There's the pitch. If you want one month of just reckless spending before you got to shut it down, you should probably join, join George's. Now, that would be fun. Yes. 
All right. Well, here's the deal. You're going to learn everything about how to handle money, how to pay off debt, how to build wealth in Financial Peace University. And we're going to be your personal cheerleaders through the class. And you're going to have a community of thousands of others taking the class with you and encouraging you too. And we're doing all nine lessons in about four or five weeks. So we're going to meet twice a week for about five weeks. And we're going to knock this thing out just in time for you guys to uh, finish out your summer, have a great fall, and change the way you handle money. The turnaround on this stuff is amazing. People who go through Financial Peace University, they save thousands of dollars, they pay off thousands of dollars, and uh, it's worth every penny you pay for it. So the classes are starting to fill up. Grab your spot right now at fpu.com. That's fpu.com and sign up for either John or I's class. We'll keep it classy. See what I did there? Man, that's a good way to end a conversation. We're just going to keep it classy. Keep it classy, John, because I was trying to, you know, to rise above it. Take the high road, if you will. Oh, that's not one of my not one of my gifts. I like to get right in the middle of it. I'm not much of a fighter these days. I don't have it in me. Let's get to the calls. Andrew joins us up next in Kansas City. Andrew, welcome to the show. What's going on with you? Yes, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, so I, I wanted, to, in a nutshell, to ask, how does how does one pursue an artistic career while making uh while trying to find ways to make passive income oh so there's two opposing things happening here two opposing goals why passive income well currently uh the the job that i perform right now is not what i would call high paying and i wanted to find ways to make passive income and my ultimate uh goal you could you could say desire would be to get into the creative arts. What does that mean when you say creative arts? Um, I'm thinking either acting or writing. Okay. So you want to be an actor slash writer, and you need money right now until you have that career dialed in. Is that right? Yes, because, yeah, it's, you know, it's a subjective field, and you're only as good as other people think you are. So I'm kind that's of not true. About that that's that's well. actually not true at all. You're as good as you are talented. Now, whether they hire you or not is a different thing. They might hire you. Me and George can both be exceptional actors, but if they're looking for somebody who's dashing and handsome and clearly intelligent looking, they're going to go with George. If they want somebody that looks a little bit uh, rough around the edges, they might go with me. And so that uh, heading into a, a job in the creative arts already saying, well, I can't do anything about it. It's just going to be subject. That's not true. Everybody well, can sit there. It's going to be really tough. Yes. Now, if it, is it going to be a hard road to hoe to make a living doing those two things? 100%. That's not subjectivity. That's just the nature of the market. And then you throw chat GPT right. and all that. It's a, it's, it's a wild time to be a writer. It's a wild time to be an actor, right? Um, even the old days of residuals, those are largely gone. And you're just, you're just gig to gig to gig. It's a tough, it's a tough life. And... For those people that George and I know that do this for a living, they love every second of it. Well, most yeah. of the seconds of it, right? So um, don't go into it already sour or you won't – you've got to go into it with optimism and joy, and this has to be something that you have to do. Otherwise, it's going to be a tough, tough slog, man. Right. It, it just already feels like there's so much stacked against you if you're not already in it. Like, Correct. Like you have your foot in the door. You know? yes. It's going to be really hard regardless. But here's the thing. This idea that I'm going to use passive income as like a launch ramp to this career is the wrong path because you're seeking out a shortcut that doesn't even exist. Passive income is a myth. We've just all been watching too much TikTok and Instagram if we think we're just going to get all this mailbox money that's going to float our dream jobs. It doesn't work. 
And so what I would do if I were you is find something that you can sink your teeth into full time that pays more while we get acting gigs on the side and start to work on our writing chops and start to submit those and get into acting and writing groups and improv classes and meet people and interact. That's the only path that I've ever seen actually work. So let me let me walk you through a couple of things just so you get the other side of this, okay? George okay. and I aren't actors. We do act like we're friends and we're not. But other than that, we, we, we're not actors. But we are on stages. We are in front of video cameras. We are doing, we're all recording, doing scripts, all that, all day long. We both write. So I remember walking out of the building one day before what I would call a casual shoot the following day with Dave and a couple other personalities. Dave Ramsey and a couple of other personalities who were world-class speakers, been doing this for a decade or so, were on the stage mumbling to themselves, holding a script. They were practicing. They'd mm-hmm. been on stages of six, seven, ten thousand people, and they were going to do a small event in front of a couple hundred, and they were up there practicing. Also, George and I both write. We both say, like, hey, would you read this for me? Hey, we need to check something out. We have editors that we work with. Sometimes we join a writer's group that's just based on studying humor so we can be funnier and be more engaging. It's a constant practice, and we're already employed. This is already our job. Some of the greatest actors I know, they took waiter jobs, and they practiced different accents with different tables, and they would write a small script and memorize it themselves and go use it with the particular person at the at the table. They were constantly working on their craft. They were not just sitting around waiting for the craft to come to them because it won't. Writers write all the stinking time. They write blogs and they write letters and they write journal entries and they write chapters. That's just what they do because that's who they are. If you talk to writers, that's their identity. That's what they do. And so this, you can't wait for it, man. You got to go get it. And like George said, if you get a job driving practice your acting, practice monologues, practice ideas and talk them into a voice recorder while you're driving and then type them out at 4.30 in the morning the next morning. That's how you make it. Get a full-time gig and then in the evening time, um, go try to get commercials in your local area. I mean, it is it is hard, hard. Everybody wants to be an actor. It's a fun life, man. Everybody wants to be on stage. It's a fun life. It's a grueling hard one too. See what I'm saying? Like George, I love that you said that the whole... I just want to get that passive income thing where they just mail you money. Like that happened during COVID and it's not going to happen again. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so we're ruining your dreams here, man. What what are you thinking here? Well, so I'm thinking that I am, I do, I have an agent and I, I started writing, um, some, some short stories that, uh, that I just I just don't know if they're any good or if people would even want to, to get a writer's get, get a group get a writer's group. My wife has a writer's group. group. I've got a writer's group. I've got people on the side that read my stuff. Yeah, get a writer's group, man. Yeah. They'll tell you. So I guess my uh, my my follow up question would be for someone who is almost middle aged and who uh, hasn't had many wins in their professional slash personal life. What do you say to someone like that who wants to achieve something, but they just feel like they may never do it? How old are you? They may never reach it. I'm 37. Who told you it was too late for you? Uh, that's just kind of how I've... I've but if someone at some point said, oh, dude, you're, it's too late. You're 37. You'll never make it. No not, no, not that it's too late, but it's just never... But there's a lack of belief in Andrew and a lack of confidence. You said, nah, my work, no one's going to even, my work's not great. I don't think I can even yeah. do it. 
there is such a lack of hope. And we I started give you this something. job in my 40s. Ken Coleman started his job in his 40s. Now, we have years of work leading up to these jobs where we were both were writers. He was doing um, radio stuff. He was doing interviewing. I was doing public speaking all over the place. But we didn't start this job till until we were in our 40s. It's never too late. It's never, ever, ever too late. I'm going to hook you up with some resources. Number one is Ken Coleman's book, The Proximity Principle, to get you connected with others in this field and from paycheck to purpose to give you some hope that you will get there. And I hope you call us back and let us know how it went, man. Thanks for the call. Hey, if you're a new listener of The Ramsey Show and you want to dive deeper into the baby steps, some of the lingo we throw out here, baby step 3B, gazelle intensity, go to RamseySolutions.com and click on the Get Started button. It's totally free. We're going to help you figure out the next best step for where you're at in your financial journey today. Go to RamseySolutions.com and click on Get Started. I'm George Campbell, joined by Dr. John Deloney this hour. It's a free call at 888-825-5825. 225 and Jay joins us up next in Chicago. Jay, welcome welcome to the show. What's up? Hi, thank you for accepting my call. Sure. What's going on? So my question is, I was wondering if it is too late to negotiate a medical medical collection that I already sta- that I already started paying for. Okay, so this is already in collections. So you weren't paying on it for a while, collections bought it. What's left on the debt? So it started at like Thirty-two hundred, and now it's down to twenty-three hundred. Do you have an agreement with them of how much you're paying each month? So the thing is, I first got that medical bill when I was like around nineteen or twenty, and I'm twenty-five now. So the memory of like how that all got set up is pretty faint now, and I haven't like paid the debt in about two years. Okay, so you haven't touched the thing in twenty-four months, but before then, you were yeah, kind of chipping about- away at it. Yeah, I was paying a little bit at a time on it, yes. Have they contacted you in the last two years? Uh, maybe not as not, maybe not more than how many times I could count on, a, on, on one hand. So it sounds like they've kind of given up on this debt. I, I, I suppose. No! <laughs> but I, well, here's the thing. The longer it's been, the more chance you have of negotiating. I don't think they're just going to wipe it out. It's not going to disappear if you put your head in the sand. So you have to deal with this. But what you can do is call them and say, hey, I'm sorry. I know it's been years. I'm ready to be done with this thing. Here's what I got. I got got 500 bucks. Would you take that and call the debt good? Oh, so I have a story about this. So I did send an email about it, which they have a response. So I had to call them. And they did acknowledge that they did receive the email. But they said because of who the creditor was, they weren't allowed to uh, negotiate you know, due to the fact of who the creditor is. I've never heard that. Who's the creditor? I've never heard it either, but when I called the creditor, like, it was true. Okay. Well, either way, you got to pay this thing. If they're not willing to negotiate, I still want it out of my life because it's been looming in yours for a long, long time. Did you get some medical care done? What did you have have done? So, um, I was in college at the time when I had to go to the hospital for this problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was some bowel issues and, Mm -hmm. you know, crazy. It costed you know, 3200 to get that resolved. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's all I had done. I just went to go get that checked out. So can I flip this around and put this in both of your hands at the same time? Is that cool? Sure. You're not going to like me, but that's okay. Is that cool? Like, can we still be friends? Go for it. <laughs> 
just going to a local ER or a, a dock on the box in the corner, it can be outrageously expensive. Outrageous, insanely expensive, especially um, if you're a college student and you don't have any other alternatives, right? And mm-hmm. if we go back to when you were 18, 19, or 20, you were really sick and you walked in a place and you said, will you help me? And they said, yeah, we will. And was it expensive? Yes. Was it worth what they gave you? I don't know. Who knows? I don't even know what the procedure was and, and I don't really want to know. But there's something to be said for, hey, when I needed help, y'all were there. I'll pay my bill. And now I'm 25. I'm 26. I'm This thing's been hanging around forever. It's time for me to just be an adult and say thank you, even though I think what what you charged me was 10 times what, what you actually did. Maybe they gave you a high five and a lollipop and said, go get them, kid. And then they charged you 3200 bucks, right? Who knows what they did? But there's something to be said for, I went and utilized a service. It helped. I'm better. I'm going to pay my bill, even though I don't agree with it. I'm going to be wise and informed moving forward. But let's just pay this thing and get out of our life. Okay. You're going to have a soul tax. You're going to make yourself nuts calling these folks, emailing them, waiting for the response, getting them to call you back. and Because their, their job is to tell you no forever and ever and ever amen just pay the bill and move on with your life that's that's my recommendation that's what i would do do you have the money much as that would hurt um i can do it but the thing is like i I just really don't want to especially if there's options but let's pretend there's no option and you pay what you were billed do you have the money yes okay and some more where are you at financially right now do you have any other debt uh, just student loans and that's it. I pay all my bills on time. Good, Good for you. What, what's awesome. your income? I'm sorry? What's your income now? Right now it's about, just for now, it's about maybe 35, 36 a year. Okay. And you've got more than 2300 in the bank? Yes. You can give it one last college try, but if they say no, just say, all right, I'm ready to pay this thing in full and get it everything in writing. Yeah, that's the two big rules. Okay. Do not, under any circumstance, give them your checking account number because they're going to say, just give us your number and we'll direct deposit it or we'll direct uh, draft it. Do not do that. And make sure you get a uh, read receipt in writing. So I would get a money order, go down to a post office, your local bank, get a money order, and I would mail this with a read receipt on it so that you've got proof that they received this thing. Um, and then you're home free. And you might sit at home and be like, man, I can't believe You are free. You're finally done with this stuff. Thank you for the call, Jay. Appreciate it. All right, let's take one more this hour from Nilesh right here locally in Nashville, Tennessee. Nilesh, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you guys? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's going on with you? So I am 26 years old. I currently work in HR for a company here in Nashville, um, and I make 55000 a year. Um, I currently have 35000 in student loan debt. Uh, I recently got into a doctorate program for pharmacy school and for four years tuition will come up to roughly around 175. What school? um, What school did you get into? Lipscomb. Excellent. Um, and so my question is, do I pursue a doctorate program with the hopeful outcome of a better salary and better future lifestyle, but will make me go into at most $200,000 in student loan debt or do I stay where I'm at? Like, I guess like for me, I know what my dreams are. I know what my goals are, but then also looking at the real life financial practical side of things I have to make, I have to consider um, 
am I just digging myself into a deeper hole or do I pursue these goals that I've had? I'll let George talk through the math part of it. Here's what I want to tell you. You and I are both here in Nashville. Lipscomb's program Mm -hmm. is excellent. Belmont's program is world-class. Those are great pharmacy programs, and there's probably several other programs around here. The world needs better pharmacists who are informed, who aren't just pill pushers, who teach people at the counter and care about their their patients and clients. We need them, okay? Mm -hmm. And you cannot afford this. It's $175,000. Mm-hmm. Right, and so yeah. I want I, I I have friends and colleagues at both of those schools, incredible opportunities, and you can't afford it, man. I think we need to see mm-hmm. what the other options are, and that might mean we wait, we pay off our student loan debt, we start to stack up some cash, we get scholarships. Maybe you're married by then, we have dual income, and we start to be able to cash flow this thing, but. Right now, going $200,000 into debt and on the other side, hoping we make enough to pay the bills and get by and one day pay the student loans off, you're just trading a, a, for another burden. And mm-hmm. the tuition is one seventy-five, but you have living costs for three to four years. You've got eating costs. You've got all sorts of other things that add up. And students coming out with pharmacy degrees, 250 300 350 in the whole is not an anomaly. That's not a mm-hmm. weird thing that happens. It's rather common. I'd love to see you crank those that thirty thousand dollars student loan debt out. You're only making fifty five, and so I get things are tight, especially here in Nashville. I mean, it's an expensive place to live. Mm-hmm. It may be that jumping to this next thing four years from now isn't the right move right this second. And by the way, my yeah. mom graduated from her PhD at fifty seven. You have plenty of time, my brother. Plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Just do it the right way. Um, do it the right way, and don't don't. Don't hinge your entire life on one thing. Yeah, this this doesn't mean your life is over. If you put pause on this thing to do it the right way, move slow, do it when you have the cash, you'll walk into that pharmacy uh, program with a lot more peace. Yes. Hey, stay on the line. We're going to send you our friends uh, Anthony O'Neill's book, Debt-Free Degree, and he'll help you get there, my friend. Good call. That puts this hour of The Ramsey Show in the books. Hey, George Camel here. If you love the show and you want a deeper dive on your money journey, we've got a weekly newsletter that gives you helpful articles and tips on following the Ramsey way. Just go to RamseySolutions.com today to sign up for the newsletter. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter.